Good morning, Midtown Fellowship West. Thanks for joining us this morning on uh, this Sunday to worship our Lord. Um, as we gather together in our homes or individually, um, we come to the throne of grace, knowing that our God is a God who, um, who has experienced what we've experienced and gone through it. And um, he calls us and welcomes us to his presence. And so as we join together, hear these words from Hebrews chapter 4. Verses 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us, Midtown West, let us then with confidence Draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's worship the Lord together. Hey Midtown, let's sing together and come into the Lord's presence, knowing we have confidence to approach Him and sing of His glory.
Thank you that we were born to sing the glory of your name. Maybe not forget that. Um, I pray that we will be able to listen to the words spoken um, today and be able to take that to heart and leave um, today changed. In your name I pray. Amen. Good morning, Midtown West. Uh, this is our first sermon in a new series. Uh, this is our first sermon series ever, so I'm excited about that, but it's called uh, the priesthood of all believers. And so what, what is this idea, the priesthood of all believers? Well, in Exodus, God calls his people a kingdom of priests. And in Peter, 1 Peter, Peter says that God's people are a royal priesthood. And Martin Luther said that all who are Christians are priests. And so what is a priest? Well, what comes to my mind when I think about priests are a few things. One, I think about priests being somber with no sense of humor uh, I think about them really being put out by having to deal with other humans. And I think about them just not having great muscle tone. They're usually skinny and look very out of shape. And so that's the image that I have. I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about priests. But um, that's not exciting. And thankfully, that's not us. That's not a reality. But when God talks about his people being priests, here's what he means by that. People dearly loved and chosen by him people who are invited to draw near to him and enjoy his presence, people who are tasked with bringing people to God and bringing God to people. And so uh, we're going to dive into all of what it means to be a priest as we unfold this series. But for today, here's a working definition for us. People close to God who invite others into that closeness. Priests are people who are close to God who invite others into that closeness. And uh, I'm going to read our passage this morning, which is Genesis 1, 26 to 28, and then pray for us. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Pray with me. Father, uh, we come to you this morning from many different places in our, our hearts and even in our lives, 
And we ask that you would allow us to be here with you in the present. Lord, allow us to be in your presence and to see you for who you really are, not who we've dreamed up that you are, uh, not this image that we have in our heads, but the real you, Lord. Would you peel back uh, these layers that blind us to who you are and let us see who you are and who we are in you and uh, what life is with you. And ask this in Jesus' name, amen. And here's why we're talking about this now. Uh, one is in this quarantine season, what has that been like in your soul? Uh, where have you been with the Lord? Because the reality is uh, we all have equal access to God at all times. That's what it is to be a priest. And so uh, if, if where we are has is, is been deeply impacted by quarantine, um, we need to remember who we are. We need to remember that nothing about our access to God has been changed. Uh, and two, that thinking about the impact that quarantine has had on our neighbors. Uh, we're in a time now where people are feeling very strongly, a lot of anxiety, a lot of questions, and, and maybe there's this new hunger that's been awakened in the people that God's put around us. And remembering who we are, again, as priests, that we are people who are close to God and inviting other people into that closeness. And so this morning, we're going to, to three places. As we start off at the very beginning, God's people have always been his priests. And so uh, we're going to look at God, the gardener in his temple. Who is God? We're going to look at uh, the priestly identity. Who are we as priests? And then uh, lastly, we're going to touch on the priestly function. What do priests do? And so first, uh, the gardener in his temple. Who is this God? If we are priests, if priests are defined by their closeness to God, then we need to understand who God is and, and who we are drawing close to. And the first thing that we see in Genesis 1 and 2 is that this God is crazy about life. He is absolutely rip-roaring crazy about flourishing, abundant, colorful, diverse, awe-inspiring, delightful life. That's who God is. He is an artist who delights in his masterpieces. After creating everything in Genesis 1, he says, man, that's good. That is so good. He's a God who brought us planet Earth. If you ever saw Planet Earth, that is the most delightful show I've ever seen. It is delightful. It's awe-inspiring because it's like you're having a window into all these hidden Easter eggs throughout all of creation. And then think about God. God is the one who designed every single one of these Easter eggs. He hid them for us to discover and enjoy, and he's been enjoying them for all of history. That's who this God is. And he blesses every creature that he makes. He's like a mom or dad who needs to get one more kiss in before they send their kids off to school. He's just kissing all over his kids, all over his creatures. He's just blessing. And, and it's like the, the creation has to say, like, these kids, like, hey, hey, that's enough blessing, dad. Like, leave me alone. I got to go. And he's like, are you, okay, are you sure? I blessed you just one more. Like, that's who this God is. And he says twice in this creation account, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth to all the creatures first and then to all the people. And so be fruitful, multiply, fill, all three of these words get at the exact same idea, to make more life. And so here's a question, why does he use all three? Because I told you already, he is crazy about life. He is so excited about life. And then when he, when he makes everything, when all of his creation is finished, he says, and behold, like, hey, whoa, whoa, wait, take this in. It was very good. You don't understand. If you had seen this thing, it would take your breath away. And so, so the first question I want us to ask, if we're going to be priests of this God, um, what comes to your mind when you think about God? 
When you think about who God is, when he speaks in scripture, what does his voice sound like? When he speaks to you in prayer, what does his voice sound like? What kind of things does he say? What, what about if he, what does his facial expression look like? Is he somber? Is he slightly irritated? Does he have poor muscle tone? I'm just kidding. Um, is he playful? Is he vibrant? Like we need to be sure that as we are drawing close to someone that we are calling God, is he God? Are we drawing close to the real God? And as we go out and we invite others into closeness with this God, are we inviting others into closeness with the real living God? Or is this some idea that we've had cooked up either in our own minds or had fed to us by somebody else, but it's just not who he really is? And so now, now that we know a little bit more about who this God really is, let's look at who we are. Uh, who, what does it mean to be a priest? What is this priestly identity? That's our, our second point. And you look in Genesis 1.26, it says, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. This let us make is God having a conversation within himself, within the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And all three persons of, of the Godhead, all of the Trinity, is, is fully on board with every decision to make everything in creation up to this point. But this is the first point in Scripture where we have this window into this, this special dialogue between the Trinity of let us make. And so what's going on there? It's this unique moment where there's this divine meeting and the setting apart of what's about to happen from everything else. Um, what I'm about to say is it's going to be clear that having a baby is on my mind. Uh, at this filming, uh, we were waiting for Lee to give birth to our fourth baby boy. And by the time you see this, Lord willing, we will have our fourth baby boy with us. But um, it's like that the rest of creation here, everything that God's done up to this point is, is nesting, is getting the baby's room ready. And then this moment where he says, let us make, this is this sacred, intimate moment where new life appears. It's like the equivalent of both the conceiving and of the giving birth of this new life altogether. It is this setting apart, this holy, sacred, intimate, joyful moment that God is relishing in and celebrating as he creates us, his priests. Uh, and then it says, let us create them in our image after our likeness. And so in Hebrew, these words mean literally something cut out. It's what, the way that you would talk about a statue. Like a statue is shaped to resemble something. It's shaped to remind you of something. When you look at the statue, it reminds you of the subject of that statue. Uh, but this language also points to something else. It's also used to talk about a child being born to a father. Look at Genesis 5.1 and 5.3. It says this, when God created Adam, he made him in the likeness of God. And when Adam fathered a son, in his own likeness after his image. So why would you make someone in your image? And the answer is to enjoy life with them, to be able to relate to one another, to know one another, to do the same things together. In Genesis 3, 8, and 9, we have this window back into pre-fall, even though these verses come after Adam and Eve have sinned. Um, there is this fatherly love between God and his people uh, where the intention was that they would regularly go on walks with God in this garden in the cool of the day to share their experiences, to learn from God, to be loved by God. And before moving on, I, I want to zoom into this garden that God has made. Uh, it's easy to miss, but the Garden of Eden is not synonymous with Eden. And I want to tell you something. I just realized that for the first time this week preparing for this sermon, okay? 
Um, it's on the first page in the Bible, and I spent three years in seminary, and so I want my money back because that seems like a big oversight. But the Garden of Eden was this special place in the land of Eden that God had created to be with his people in this place. And so I want to make sure that we get what is a garden. Um, a garden is a defined space where there is intentional design and cultivation of beauty for the purposes of bringing about delight for all those who enter into it. And I just saw a documentary about a world-renowned garden in Quebec, Canada, called The Garden of the Four Winds. It's 20 acres. This thing is massive. It's so beautiful. It's so intricate. It's so full of of mystery and awe-inspiring beauty. It, It includes forests. It's not just... You know, I mean, as somebody who, who doesn't know, when I think about a garden, I think about a, like a, a little box with a bunch of flowers, maybe some vegetables. But this thing includes forest lands. It includes a river. And this thing would just pale in comparison to the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was probably massive. It's gorgeous and majestic. Uh, it would put the Garden of the Four Winds to shame. Uh, and, and one of the reasons it's probably massive is because we know from Scripture that it includes the mountain of God and had a massive river that turned into four huge rivers running through it. And so the, the reason we're talking about this garden is that this garden in Eden was also God's temple. And so what is a temple? A temple is a place where the presence of God dwells so that people can meet with him there. And that's where priests are called to spend much of their time, is, is in this temple with God. And so uh, before there's any priestly function, we have priests who just are. They are with God. They were made to be with God. He has a fatherly heart for them, a love for them to to create them in his image, to create us in his image, to be with him and be about doing life with him in this beautiful place that he has set apart to bring about delight in us. And as we spend time with this God, it creates in us a heart of love from being loved by him and pouring that love out on others, having a heart of love and blessing for others. And so... Uh, a question for us before we move on to our, our last point here is, um, if you are someone who spends time with God, if you're someone who, who knows God and spends time with him, what does that time look like? You know, for a lot of us, for me a lot of times, it looks like a, a game of beat the clock on asking him to perfect me and fix me and fix things uh, as fast as I can before I run out of time meeting with him. And that's something that the Lord has very lovingly, uh, but also very seriously brought to my attention lately, attention lately is that um, to be with God is, is literally that, just to be with him and enjoy his presence. He has given us everything, and he loves us, and he loves us as we are now. And so um, that should reflect, be reflected in how we spend time with him. Um, is there a place... In, in us where we would say, yeah, spending time with God is, is delightful because I just get to enjoy who he is and enjoy being with him? Or is it this place fraught with anxiety where we're trying to hurry up and, and work on things and fix things and say the right thing? Um, because again, we got to know who God is and what his intentions are for us and who we are um, before we move out in the world as priests. And so Uh, We're going to get more into this later, but now that we've covered our our priestly identity, we're going to talk about our priestly function. What what do we get from this passage about what God's priests do in his world? Um, And God says his call to his people is to subdue the earth and to have dominion over all creation. Another way to say that would be, uh, come garden with me in this wild and intimate adventure 
where we create and cultivate abundant life. Because remember who he is. He is a God who is crazy about life. He's all about abundant life and flourishing. And so these two words, subdue and have dominion. Subdue is to be conquered by a new king. Or think about it in gardening terms. It's like a tree being brought under the authority of the master gardener to grow in the way that he intends for it to grow, to be submitted to his purposes for its existence. And to have dominion, this word dominion that sounds so oppressive, uh, we're going to get to that in a second and why it sounds oppressive. Here's what that means. To have dominion is to rule, it's to govern, it's to care for, it's to husband, to protect, to flourish, to cause to flourish, to garden. Uh, But now there's a problem. There's a problem in our world, and there are many voices right now in our culture drawing our attention to this problem. And the problem is this, that whenever a dominant person or a group, whenever there is a a group or a person who has dominion, who has power and authority, exercises that power and authority over another person or over another people group, that there's injustice. Uh, But the problem, we have to be really clear on this, the problem is not in the having of power and authority, because dominion is a beautiful, life-giving thing when the one who is exercising dominion is love, is wisdom, is goodness, is beauty, and has a heart of love for those over whom he has dominion. The problem is dominion that's rooted in self. The problem is dominion that is, has been bastardized because all of us have moved out from under God's good authority over us. Um, God is the father of us all, but we have terminated parental rights. And so the problem is now we can terminate parental rights, but we can't change who we are. And because we are still made in God's image, we are always exercising dominion. We are always subduing, but now it's for our own purposes and it doesn't lead to life. It doesn't lead to flourishing. And so is there any hope? Because we've all done this. We've all gone astray. Uh, And the answer, of course, is yes. Um, And I want to start at the beginning here. Did you know that God kicked Adam and Eve? He kicked us out of the garden in order to save us? Because in our sin, we would be destroyed. We would be totally undone if we had remained in his presence. So he sends us out, and then he sends a great high priest to come and rescue us, to come and rescue all of his little priests who have gone astray. Remember the definition of priest that we started with, our working definition, is someone who is close to God and invites others into that closeness. Jesus is close to God. Jesus is the only eternal son of the Father. He is fully God, and he has become man to come and save us. He's not only made in the image of God, he is the image of the invisible God. He's just like his father. He's also crazy about life. In John 10.10, Jesus says this, the voice that got you to rebel against God, he came to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come so that you may have life and have it abundantly, that your life would flourish and that you've been an agent of flourishing. That's who this Jesus is. And he's bringing us into this closeness. How? By subduing us and having dominion over us. What does his dominion look like? It looks like laying down his power. It looks like emptying himself and being destroyed in our place. Why? To make a way for us to come back home to the Father. You know, and Jesus says in Mark 1.15, it's kind of the theme of his ministry, and, and to say it in other words would be to say it like this. He's coming out on this mission to tell all of God's people, come home to God. Come home to God. Being in his presence won't destroy you anymore. I've made a way for you to come home. You don't have to be afraid. 
believe the good news that he loves you and that he has grace for you, that he wants abundant life and flourishing for you, and he will give you abundant life and flourishing in me. That is the message of Christ. And so Midtown West, uh, in Christ, we've been invited to walk again with God in the garden, but not the Garden of Eden, in the garden of our own souls, because Jesus has made a way uh, for us to meet with God in our, our very souls. And so how do we do that? Well, there's several ways. Uh, worship, corporate worship. I cannot wait until we are back worshiping together again, but I'm also so excited for home church so that we, we can gather even now. We don't have to have 50 or 100 people in a place for this thing to take. Uh, we can gather. Jesus says where two or more are gathered, um, he is there. And so in the presence of Christ, we worship together as his people. Uh, we meditate on his word. Every time that we open God's word doesn't have to be Bible study. Uh, there needs to be time where we just meditate on the truth and just enjoy God's presence and his great and precious promises for us and just to soak in that and just to be reminded of what's true and to be whispered by God of how much he loves us. To sit silently in his presence, either to, to walk, literally walk with him or to sit or to be still um, to pray together. That's, that's one of the big reasons that we do prayer and fasting on Thursdays is so that we can pray together as God's people and he speaks to us collectively. Um, and then finally, just community. We need one another. We need to be in community with one another because we embody Christ. Remember, we are bringing one another into that closeness with God as his kingdom of little priests. And so that's why we do what we do. That's, that's why the church... Um, does what it does as this body of Christ. And as we do that, he changes us. He, he, we are loved by him. We are so aware of his love for life and flourishing for us. And, and to be loved by that kind of God changes us. And as it changes us, what it, one of the things that it does is it enables us to go out and fulfill our priestly duties, uh, which is to have a heart of love and a heart of blessing toward the world to have a heart of love and blessing toward every individual person that we meet, to look at them with that same sparkle in our eyes that the Father has in His eyes of just loving life and loving flourishing and loving blessing and loving goodness and creativity, that we would enter into the world as His priests, bearing His image for His purposes. Father, we ask as we go out into this world, into Your world, into Your beautiful landscape that we would come alongside you as your priests, as your sons and daughters, as your gardeners, your little gardeners who go with you to cultivate life and beauty and flourishing and abundance. Lord, this week, uh, I pray specifically for us, one, that we would know who we are as your priests, as your sons and daughters, that we are invited to walk with you in the garden of our souls. Lord, teach us more and more how to do that, and use us to teach each other how to do that. Lord, give us the humility to go to one another and say, I don't know what that even means. Will you help me? Um, and Father, too, I pray that as we spend time with you, that our hearts would be melted and transformed and given this deep, deep love for life and for abundance and for flourishing, and that when we see other people, when we set our eyes on other people, um, that that's just, it would be this overwhelming desire that it would take everything in us not to just reach out and grab them and hug them and tell them how much you love them because we just love to see them flourishing and we want to see them 
in the blessing of knowing you and walking with you. And uh, Lord, let that be who we are about as Midtown West. Let that be um, what we are all about, to see abundance and flourishing and more and more people coming into our midst because they are coming back home to know their Father. We ask that in Jesus' name. Midtown, let's sing of the goodness and the love that the Father has for us. Who you are 
As we sing this last song, let's remember as children of God, we are created to live in the joy and delight and love of our Father. Shout your praise 
Receive this benediction now. And since we have a great high priest, Jesus, over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir each other up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near, Jesus returning and taking us home with him forever. Go in peace.